as we continue on the Lord's prayer, or should we say Lord's pattern to, for us to pray, so oftentimes it's probably better to be titled as a disciple's prayer, but we're going to actually continue using that common term, the Lord's Prayer. Let's begin with that reading of the passage one more time. Matthew 6, verse 9. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Our text today is verse 12. We're going to just focus on those few words. But let's make some preliminary, preliminary observations on this petition. Number one is the conjunction. And if you re- see, saw that, the word and has a, so much more implication than for us to think of it as just a filler words. Remember, this is God's word. And God does not waste any words for the, as a filler word. So as, as I meditate on it, at least two clear implications came out of that. So petition before that, is a beginning of our need, praying for our need, but interconnectedness of the fourth and fifth and sixth petitions are critical. So the word, our give us our give us this day our daily bread, and what does it imply? First one is the word implies as much as physical need is critical for our survival or physical health, our spiritual need is crucial. It's not supposed to be daily bread and yearly forgiveness. It is supposed to be daily bread and daily forgiveness. Maybe sometimes much more than, much often than daily. Throughout the day, night, day to night, four or five times a day. Our need for forgiveness is there. Secondly, forgiveness is also, uh, I mean, the, I went the other way around. Our spiritual need of forgiveness is critical as our sp- physical need. And then it is daily need, not yearly need. The second observation is a twofold need. If the conjunction helps us to pay attention to interconnectedness, 
Uh, forgiveness is actually involves our two interrelated critical process. One is our confession of sins to God and our forgiveness of, of others' sin against us. Have you thought about this? When we skip a meal or two, we feel hunger. And if you don't feel the hunger, you need to go see a doctor. It's a part of appetite. It's a signal that we are continually be healthy physically. But Lord's Prayer reminds us this simple spiritual need. Have we gone a day or two a week, or several weeks, or six months, or year, without confession, without forgiveness, without asking God with contrite heart, repentant heart. And then one might say that I don't remember any sins. Because I don't think I, I have a mishap and I have like a mistakes and it's shortcomings I have. Yeah, I admit that. I'm not perfect. I don't think I remember particular sin that I need to confess. So we need to go back to the beginning of Sermon on the Mount. The first beatitude, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Not just the beginning of a Christian life, but to enter the kingdom of God, it's everything's grace, and to realize our spiritual bankruptcy today is blessing. Because we would, in, that, in turn, rely utterly on God's mercy and grace rather than our own self-righteousness. So this is the first conviction I felt. And I'm going to ask you the question that Holy Spirit asked me. The last time when you talked to God, have you confessed your sins? Moreover, have you confessed your sinfulness as an acknowledgement of your need for Savior, your need for God's mercy? Without God's mercy and grace, that you have no hope. Actually, without God's mercy and grace, we will not stay alive. And this particular pattern of prayer is not for an unbeliever, but believers. Those who call God our Abba, Father. And as you know, those of your parents, in your relationships with your, your each child, uncluttered, peaceful, open relationship is a delight to you, isn't it? Just imagine whatever the reason you come home and you open your arms and, son, my daughter, I missed you. 
come here. And then they put their arms around like this. Mm -mm. I don't like the way that you made a rule for me. Mm -mm. I don't trust you. It will break our heart. And even through the teenage years, I just begin to, to realize that their openness toward me is so important. So I'm working on a particular son that is ex exceptionally difficult for me. And I told them several times, do you know I love you? I love you so very much. Do you know that? Okay. Okay is not the answer that I like. Can you e erase any vocabulary? Okay or sure? So oftentimes, imperfect father, God doesn't have this kind of problem. When I drop up our kids in their schools or, or the place that I need to take them, I always say, have fun at school. I love you. And if I don't get that, I love you too, that, I get so sad. <laughs> and once again, okay is not... I love you, I, I love you, son. Okay. <laughs> so when was the last time you confessed your sins? Not only particular sins, but your sinfulness. Because when you think about it, the confession that we're talking about, maybe I'm going ahead a little bit, is not necessarily for your salvation. Because if so, we have to remember every single sin, which is impossible, isn't it? Sin of commission and sin of omission, how are you going to remember all that? But it's a heart, attitude toward our Heavenly Father, Abba, that I don't hold my strong self-stubborn will against you. I surrender to you. And I love you as my Abba. And you're Glory is my joy. Your kingly rule is what I look for. Your will is what I like to be done in my heart, in my life, in my home. So the twofold need is critical for us to remember that. And, and then, as I remember, the re one of the reasons why, as the Holy Spirit convicts my heart, is uh, I don't think I have anything s serious. You don't need a serious sin to confess, and all you need to do really confess your sinfulness before God, and as the Holy Spirit convicts you, things will come. We only confess... We can only confess those particular sins the Holy Spirit reminds you, bring to your heart. Because it changes the attitude of our heart, repentant heart. <coughs> and then thirdly, it's importance again. Forgiveness is absolutely essential in our relationship with the Father. It's important enough to be reiterated explicitly, and I made that point abundantly clear. There are at least three things that Jesus clearly teaches by this fifth 
petition. Here's the first one. Oh, I'm sorry. I think it's important that we need to mention this because um, some of the practicality of uh, forgiveness is important as well. But our focus today is on different nodes. Like, for example, it affects our soul and body negatively. In Psalm 32, verse 2 to 4, there's a King David saying, when I, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as the, by the heat of the summer. One of the psychiatrists said, um, if some of his patients are sure of forgiveness, the entire hospital, 80, 90% of those people could go home. It's a tremendous sense of guilt. Sometimes it, it, it is heaviness. It is really psychosomatic disorder happens. It's stress and by high blood pressure. Digestive system. All that comes with ulcer. All that comes with the lack of forgiveness. And this one, this quote, uh, Wade, Wade Holland um, couldn't be here today, but he wanted to give me some things. So quite a few things gave me. He, this is the one best one that I decide to use. Ruth Bell Graham, Billy Graham's wife, said, "A happy marriage is a union of two good forgivers." And a good quote is: the more you read it, the more you think about it, it becomes a truer. It is so true. The key to happy marriage is not a too perfect person that that pretension will not last long. You will be found out. But two forgiving people, willing persons. And it breaks down our relationship with others. But with all that self-benefit, an extra benefit. Do you know that even non-Christian sources, uh, even psychologists, pop psychologists, or the people who are uh, motivational speakers are big on forgiveness. Forgive others for your sake because you will go to sleep. You'll be able to go to sleep. You'll be able to set yourself free from the prison of the bitterness. Yes, all that is a byproduct, and God's will always leads to the path of true happiness. But today's focus is on this. It hinders our spiritual growth and blessings, answers to our prayers, and intimate relationship with God. Psalm 66, verse 18 says, God will not hear my prayers. When I'm in sin. So when you feel like your prayers are coming back to you, consider this fact. Well, other, other factors are there. 
A primary factor is there is unconfessed sins in your life. Or there is a unforgiven relationship that you are hovering bitterness against that person because of the offenses. And sometimes it's, it's an oblivious uh, conceptual being also too. A school or a church or leadership that you could get so messed up if you don't forgive. Have you thought of have you ever thought about this? When David in Psalm fifty one he says, Have mercy on me and change my heart, and he prays. Do not take the Holy Spirit away from me and bring me the joy of salvation. Restore the joy of salvation in me. If you and I are true believers, our joy in Christ, just the fact that believing and walking with God is so much joyful, when there is no forgiveness issue. So number one thing that fifth petition teaches us is to confess our sins daily to our Heavenly Father through prayer. And as I mentioned this very simple thing, let's remind and put a note to self. Every morning when I pray, I will not just pray for the things to go well. I will confess and acknowledge my sinfulness as well as particular sins that Holy Spirit convicts me. I will not push that away. Ephesians 4 Apostle Paul encourages people about this kind of relationship in harmony, in openness, restoration. And one of the particular verse is that do not give the devil the opportunity. As he's saying, be angry. You couldn't be angry, but do not sin. And that word, the opportunity to devil, means giving a foothold. God is grieved, and while God is grieved, the evil one put a foothold in our relationship in the very home we reside, and he begins to work in it, spread his domain, his influence bigger. Let me give you an example. I, I love my wife, and I love the fact that she keeps me on my toe. And I, you know, as a guy that I think attraction was, she wasn't easy. She still isn't easy for me, right? <laughs> and the way that she deals with conflict is so different. I'm a 10-minute person. You know what I mean? <laughs> I need just 10 minutes to reconcile, to talk. If it's a big thing, 
maybe 30 minutes. During our early days of uh, marriage, she needed two days. I didn't believe it. So as a consequence, what happened? She would just kind of avoid me and go to the kitchen and I'll follow. <laughs> we got to talk. I love you so much. The one night, in every room like that, one night, 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning, we're stuck. So I, I dropped my head and said, do you think we have a hope? Because, you know, my determination is resolve it before we go to sleep. How romantic it is, right? So anybody would want it. I'll confess my sins to you. Just tell me what bothers you. And the more I pushed, the more she will shut down. I did not believe. Now I believe. I just, <laughs> I just let her be. And she comes back and confesses her own sin and we reconcile. But, you know, in the, in the, through going through all that is when you think about confessing your sins to God, we have this attitude that I need some time to think about this. That I need to some time to um, come to a real reason that I feel sorry about. I, I think this is really one of the biggest concerns I have for this generation as a pastor. Listen to me very carefully. Are you being more faithful to your feelings or are you being more faithful to the word of God, which is truth for eternity? Our feelings changes all the time, but postmodern generation, what is really true is what I feel. So think about this. God says, this is an offense to me. But when you, when you feel like, because this person, my friend, did such and such thing so wrong, I don't feel like forgiving. Or I don't feel like confessing this to my God. And then, going back to my illustration, most of the times I am wanting the reconciliation as soon as possible. But when I get slowly angry, what happens is I shut down. Okay, fine. I could function without you. And I shut down. And then what happens? The foothold, the, the devil's foothold in me grows. This is my confession. I feel powerful. Very powerful and self-sufficient. When I come home, I, I lived as single for 34 years, so I could make my own instant ramen and eat it. I don't need your cooking. I don't need your conversation. So what happens? It, it goes on and on. And if you do not deal with the sin residing in us, the devil's influence, especially when it comes to your emotional life, he stucks one foot and grows like a root growing everywhere. When was the last time you confessed anything to God? 
Or is it because you don't trust that God will forgive you? Let's start with the basic today. God loves you. He is longing, desiring so much to forgive you. To restore your fellowship with Him. So when you think about um, theological stance, and some of you well-trained and well-taught, so some of you are saying, oh, you know, I heard that, or I read in online somewhere, we do not need to, in, in the, under the new covenant, do not need to ask for forgiveness. Why? Because in Christ there is no condemnation. We are justified once for all for the rest of eternity. It's not because we confess anything and change our mind, but because imputed righteousness of Christ is like our rope of righteousness before God. Therefore, it will be insulting to ask God's forgiveness for the things that He has already forgiven 2,000 years ago on the cross by the precious blood once for all. There are actually people who preach that. The question is, then why confess? Because we're talking about two different types of forgiveness. The first forgiveness is more judicial. Therefore, the word, the justification, we are declared just, justified once for all by the imputed righteousness of Christ. So let's put it in a more practical term. That's relationship. When Christians sin, our relationship with the Heavenly Father never changes. He has adopted us by grace, not because of our merit, right? But when we commit sins... And stubbornly staying in sin, we do not lose salvation. Our relationship with God as our Heavenly Father continues. Never doubt about that. But our fellowship is broken with Him. God will not hear our prayer. Holy Spirit is grieved, saddened. God the Holy Spirit is saddened in our hearts. And it's not, it doesn't take a theology to understand this. You just, ordinary family life is so vivid. This principle. When my sons did something wrong, usually fighting with each other, brothers, and then out of anger, will not Say sorry. Apologize to them. No, I will not. I will never forgive him. So unless you forgive him, you're not going to come out of your room. Go to your room and stay in your room. So let's imagine that continues on. So there are some things that my boys love to do with me and you know uh, back in the days the early days it used to be vegetables and watching vegetables t- together and then later on it was a uh, the ninja American ninja was uh, imported by Japan so we love this the game show reality show 
In Japanese, of course, there's a subtitle, but the way the Japanese announcer screams is so exciting that we're watching it together. But I still remember one day, one of our sons, still stubborn, and will not surrender, yield to that I'm sorry, anything like And he will not sit in with me. And all of you have experienced the tensed moment. And even our fathers, earthly fathers, haven't you? There's a broken fellowship. Oh, he is still your father. That thing can change that. So in one sense, as I mentioned about my relationship with him, my marital relationship with Kate, although in some sense the devil deceives me, and this is powerful, I feel powerful, I feel self-sufficient, and then I will not throw down my manly pride, and she will come and ask for forgiveness. Then I will... You've you all been there, right? Can you live with true happiness? And guys like me who wears feelings on my sleeve, I can't even preach when I'm in conflict with my wife. You will see me and like something is definitely wrong with Paul today. <laughs> so going on without asking for forgiveness and confession, and then if you go on too long with that, you become forgetful of joy of salvation. How good your intimate relationship, Father, Abba Father, it really is. How resourceful that source of comfort and peace and joy and answers of prayer is. So we are to confess our sins and our sinfulness daily. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. I need you. With all my heart, I place my heart, my all to you. A sinner. Secondly, the fifth petition teaches us to forgive others' sins against us as we ask for God's forgiveness of our sins. And once again, it's straightforward, the simple, redundant message that we are going over. But when you think about the wording also, too, did you see that? Typical Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Kind of, sometime in the future I will do it, but forgive me first. But this is, uh, in Greek, I looked it up, it's Eros imperative again. There's a sense of urgency. So that's why we could actually tra uh, translate, we also have forgiven our debtors. In other words, it is a prerequisite. And it is also a a fruit and proof of our own forgiven relationship with God. 
if we do not forgive, you know, as in um, the unforgiven, forgiving servant in Matthew 18, we're going to look, look at that passage soon. It is hypocritical. God has not only forgiven our offenses to him, little and big, and yesterday, but today and the future, all of our sins, the debt that, that I cannot pay, God canceled it. An omniscient God saying, I will remember no more your sins. As far as the east is from the west, I have removed your sins. That's the God, the heart of God. And after we receive that, and not having the willingness to forgive others' offenses, is hypocritical. And once again, we grieve our Heavenly Father's heart in our relationship by unforgiveness. As much as I feel torn apart, one of the worst things that you could see is that siblings become sworn enemy to each other. Right? So in, when, you are in to, when they're in toddler, is it cute enough? You see their personalities coming out. But truth of matter is that the sinfulness of heart, when you become stronger and powerful and self-sufficient, we carry that into our adult and middle life or even 34 years of not talking to our siblings or our parents or our, our best, former best friends. So loving God also, being forgiven by God cannot be separated from loving others. And thirdly, the fifth petition teaches us to take Jesus' warning seriously against our unforgiving spirit. Verse 14 and 15, and read it with open-minded adult heart. Right? There's nothing too difficult about this passage. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So I, I want us to take this passage as it is without Sugar coating or rationalizing twist it to make it palatable to ourselves. What does it say? Without forgiving others, there is no forgiveness. And then the natural question should pop up. Oh, I thought we are saved by grace, not by works. Yes, you're right. But always the two poles of 
God's sovereign grace and our human responsibilities there. Let's see how those two things come together. It does not mean we earn the right or merit the right to be forgiven because our forgiving others is not a merit but a result from it. In other words, a forgiven person by God will be a forgiving person of others. And the proof of God's mercy experienced in us is actually forgiving spirit. When the gospel says it, the gospel totally transforms our inside out, our character is changed because of Christ, it does not mean wishful thinking someday only in heaven you will become fully what God wanted you to be. No, it, it is in the process. We are child of God, a prince and princess of the king of the universe, but we become, positionally already is, we become more like him, more like, act like prince and princess of the universal king. Position and condition is called the sanctification process. Another word that we introduced was uh, already. We're already completely forgiven and free from the penalty of sin, but not yet from the power of sin. We still fight the sin nature, sinfulness in our flesh, the Bible calls it, and the evil one, the world, those three enemies there. But when we get to heaven, there will be no presence of sin anymore. So then, let's think this clearly. What are you saying, Paul? It's very similar to the beatitude number five. Blessed are those who are merciful. They shall given mercy. So that actually also did the same way the true proof and result of receiving and experiencing God's mercy, the person will become merciful. And because if you are merciful, God will continually giving life-giving grace and mercy in our daily lives. So let's look at this one then. Technically speaking, we do not lose salvation. when we are unforgiving to others. Yes, by the imputed righteousness of Christ, you shall be for God as righteous on the judgment day because of Christ. But that does not mean while on earth and as we are living, we have freedom. We do not experience freedom from power of sin increasingly more, and therefore we enjoy the benefit of a person who belongs to God as a beloved child of God, we, we live like an orphan. The Father is not reachable at all. And that state is aching God's heart, Father's heart. 
No, not a single person says, can say, I have no sin. And that person have, have not experienced God's mercy. That person is until in the religion of self-righteousness, do-it-yourself religion. The gospel of Christ is for the brokenhearted, contrite, the people who cannot save themselves. And Bible declares every single one of us making full round of circle the warning is really this. If you and I have this continual unforgiving stubborn spirit and declaring, I will never forgive this person. Maybe a sign that you really are not regenerated by the Holy Spirit. To put it simply, you are not saved if, because you have not experienced God's mercy in a real way that changes your internal heart completely. I love the fact that Martin Lloyd-Jones cuts to it and says it directly. The proof that you and I are forgiven is that we forgive others. And he elaborates even more, said, not that we, want, we must forgive and dutifully forgiving others. We will want to forgive, considering the fact how much of grace and mercy and forgiveness God has given us. And some of you are a little shocked right now. Because you, you, you go to evangelical churches and say, oh, no matter what you do, you're saved because you've confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior. No, according to this passage, the real saving faith might not be in you if you are not willing to forgive others' debts. Let me qualify that. Your willfulness, willingness, decision is there. But the healing is difficult. The years of pain is difficult. So you, you, need, you need to take time to do that. that. There's no question about forgiving others who are deeply, you know, the closer the relationship was, the younger, the helpless you were, you were the people who have committed terrible sins against you, it's, it might be difficult. So that's why marriage and divorce is so difficult. Because you open up everything to love each other as one, and then there's a separation that hurts and pain stays ever. That's why God hates sin. God hates divorce. But it cuts us so deep. Even then, if you are a regenerated person, you can, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Forgive. Jesus gives us once uh, gives us this warning through this parable. The parable was given, as you all know, when Peter, overachieving disciple, came up with this brilliant question. 
and pat on his you know, back kind of thing. Teacher, how many times shall I forgive? Traditional rabbis taught up to three times you forgive somebody's offense. And then he goes, I'm going to double it. Three times two. Okay, here's one extra. Special. Seven. Up to seven times? And Jesus' answer was, no. Seventy times seven. Forgive that person who offended you. Of course, Jesus doesn't mean go ahead and mark one, two, three, four. Okay, you have 15 more to go. No, limitlessly. Because God's mercy for us is limitless as well. And then he gave this parable to make the point. Verse 23 of Matthew chapter 18. Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to, be, to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. So in our modern day equivalent will be, let's just say, impossible amount of 10 or 20 million dollars. At least for us. I'm not talking about Bill Gates or something like that. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold and with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the serv servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owned him a hundred denarii, about a hundred dollars. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So this fellow servant fell, uh, fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I'll, re I'll pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until, this, until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me, and should you not, should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. And in anger, his master delivered, delivered him to the jailers until he sh should pay all his debt. So also, my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. The point is very clear. And Jesus, to Jesus, and to our Abba Father, what is the greatest commandment? 
loving God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. And that cannot be separated from loving our neighbor as ourselves. And as, he, as much as forgiven us of our incredible, unpayable debt, and not to pay it will be unthinkable sin to God. So let me wrap up with two simple applications. Number one, we are to ask for God's forgiveness daily for any unconfessed sins to our Heavenly Father with a contrite and surrendered heart. Let's include the confession in each morning and as we are prompted by the Holy Spirit, convicted by the Holy Spirit, confess with contrition, a broken heart, that contrition has a root word in bruised, getting bruised. Do you remember that bruised weed, bruised weed, he will not break. Smothering light, he will not put out. God has, God's heart is bent toward people who are contrite and broken heart. His mercy is aroused. So let's remember that. But with confession as well, because it is God's promise in the first letter of John 1.9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Believe God's word and God's promise, not your feeling. If you truly, in genuine sincerity, confess your sins, this, to, to confess means to agree. Lord, this is, without an excuse, this is sin. I offended you. Lord, I agree also that Jesus died on the cross for this particular sin. Lord, I agree also that you will give me the power to turn away from this sin. Repent from this sin. Will the muddy, foggy, overcast cloud will be gone right away? Sometimes, but sometimes not. Do not trust your feeling. Trust in trustworthiness of God. That any conviction or condemnation comes not from, from that point on, not from the Heavenly Father, the Holy Spirit, it is from the evil one who is called accuser of the brethren. He accuses us. We could be thankful. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for restoring my fellowship with you. And guess what? It's all by grace. If we could earn it, it's not forgive our debts. It itself is meaning grace. Not, we're going to fix ourselves. Help us to change our lives so that we could pay back your debt. No. Even tonight, I mean today, as we are anticipating the Lord's Supper, we could confess our sins. And secondly, we are to forgive those who sinned against us 
relying utterly on God's mercy and forgiveness of our own sins against God. So there are some misconceptions about forgiveness. And um, let me start with the John Piper's clarification, which is very helpful. He writes, Forgiveness is not the absence of anger as sin. It's not, it is not feeling good about what was bad. God has wrathful feelings against those things. And then on that judgment day, he will equalize, bring justice in every single thing. So we don't have to think about paying back. John Piper writes also, forgiveness is not the absence of serious consequences for sin. So in other words, we could still um, report to the police and have the forgiving heart and forgive that person. The eternal damnation and condemnation that we do not hold. But that doesn't mean we go along with the cheap grace mentality is there, right? But some, sometimes, in order for us to really help the person, to report that person into police. For example, you find out, uh, you know, uh, A you know, stranger came into your house and, and there's something, the dangerous things, not only to you, but to your children. And out of good heart, of course, you could forgive that person. But if you look, at, look into what a you know, policeman is saying, and he might have seven, eight accounts of the same type of things. It is not our part, our place to judge that person as an impossible person at all. We need to receive that person, especially that person, his brother or sister, as, a per, as he is, not as he should be. But that doesn't mean a tough love or a tough act of justice is not unloving. And that's actually a good principle to think about when our teenage children are going astray what kind of tough love are we willing to place on? Let me close with this. I, I find out that the, the, this collection of Puritan prayers is incredible things. I, I just couldn't stop reading and meditating over and over. And I... I've seen that cover page, so someday I'm going to buy, someday I'm going to... Preparing this message, I realized the whole thing is readable in, uh, online. Banner of Truth has everything available. You just cannot have it in front of you. So go, go take a look at some of the words. Incredible. And this is only an excerpt and one part of a little part of the prayer called the continual repentance, and it's edited by the name um, Arthur Bennett. And he finished the the prayer finishes like this: 
Grant me never to lose sight of the exceeding sinfulness of sin, the exceeding righteousness of salvation, the exceeding glory of Christ, the exceeding beauty of holiness, the exceeding wonder of grace. And my prayer for each one of us this morning that we will experience the joy of restored fellowship, intimate relationship with our Abba. Let's pray. How, how has God spoken to you? I have no uh, desire to embrace you at all. But I want to point to a fork road, a fork of the road. As your pastor, I, my goal is that you experience what God's word says true. So between you and God, so quietly, Lord, do I need to forgive someone? And some of you already know, and some of you realize that God has been convicting you. And today's message is not a coincidental. God has orchestrated in his sovereign plan for you to hear this message. All I want to say is that look to the cross. That's why he died on the cross. Jesus died on the cross and shed precious blood for you so you may become forgiving like him because of your abundance and your blessings in salvation in Christ. Would you simply, childlike way, Lord, I will surrender. I will forgive. You fill in the blank, the person's name. And then you say, Lord, I do not have what it takes. Supply me your power, supernatural power, to forgive, to heal from this wound. The rest of you and the rest of us, perhaps we need to confess our self-sufficiency as if we don't need confession in our prayers. Could I ask for forgiveness for that? What a wonderful opportunity we have. I didn't orchestrate this. Today happens to Communion Sunday every first Sunday of the month at Crossway. We have Lord's Table this morning. And one of the requirements, gentle requirements, as you think about 
remembering his death and resurrection, his suffering for you and me, we are to confess our sins and come to the Lord's table without unconfessed sins. Would you do that? It's the, once again, not of merit, but as a result of one who has been forgiven, one who has given, who has been given so much mercy that we not only want to, but not only have to, but want to give, surrender, and confess. So let me allow just a few seconds and moments, and I will close. Thank you, Abba, for your delightful heart to not only hear our prayers, but long to forgive and restore our fellowship with you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your atoning sacrifice that we may be forgiven for eternity not because of our merit, but because of your grace and mercy. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for revealing the things that we need to face this morning to guide us and point to Christ that we may look at the cross and become so overwhelmingly, willingly confess our sins. And thank you also for allowing us, empowering us to forgive others who offended us. May your name be glorified. We love you, Abba. We belong to you. As a forgiven people, yes, Lord, we will be forgiving others. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.